guys have uh, you guys have backups running? Yeah, my backup is theoretically running. It, it might I may or may not have actually started it and may or may not have uh just lied to you right there when I said it was going. But now I press the button and it's going now, so it's fine. Well this is good. We'll we'll just use that as preamble as I watch everybody else scramble around trying to get their shit together. So what? that's really what good. Talking about. No. Don't know what you're talking about. Welcome to Dance Robot Dance, everybody. This is episode 210. I'm Mark. I'm here with my brother, Paul. And Hi. we have a special guest who I cannot, like, I got to just introduce Christy because she can't keep quiet long enough for me to, like, do a bit. So, like, Christy's here. That's so rude. <laughs> I can keep quiet long enough for you to do a bit. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you about the bit before I start doing it. And we're recording already, so it doesn't matter, right? So You have no one to blame but yourself, Mark. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all my fault. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Great. I can't believe I didn't do the RuPaul episode with you guys. I was so mad. We'll, we'll do, do another one. one. We'll, we'll, we'll do, do another one. one. We're going to do All-Stars 2. I'm going to make them watch an All-Star season. And yeah. <laughs> That's it's the be best great. one. It's the best That's one. Yeah. I, know, oh, I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Good. Well, then I'm looking forward to that because that means we'll have a four-person screamathon while they whatever catchphrase we catch on to that one because oh absolutely God, so many. has been coming up a lot lately. So, anyway. Rocky Andrew, did you make it clear? Oh yes. Yeah. I don't. All right. It's terrible. So good. This is exciting. Well, so yeah. So Paul and Christy are here. I'm Mark. This is Dance Robot Dance. Uh, we're we're talking about video games this week, obviously, with this crew, because Tim's Tim left, which means like we get to do video games. So there it <laughs> yeah, is. Pretty much. Which uh, is so funny, because like I totally always think of Tim as a huge video game nerd, but his amount of gaming is very like concise to a few games a lot. Yeah, he plays some stuff. Like I, I know I remember when we first started the podcast, Christy and I toyed with the idea of just buying him a PlayStation yeah. so that we could do more video game episodes. <laughs> so. But he makes more money than both of us combined. Oh, fuck. Combined. Him. Absolutely. So, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eat shit and die. Buy yourself no, your PS5, no, you motherfucker. <laughs> Why? Why? We love Tim. We do, but, like, he's on vacation. So, it's, it's kind of like what we used to do when, they, when you used to leave. We'd make fun of you a little bit at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. So Hey, remember how Tim just bought a house in Canada because he could? Yeah, I've been living here my whole life and I can't get a damn apartment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I mean, I Motherfucker moved here, found a job in, like, 15 minutes. I'm like, I've been up here for a year looking for shit. Thanks, bud. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Fuck off. Either way. Yeah, and for my permanent residence, I had to move across the fucking world to do it. Yeah, so it's exactly. kind of like, whoa. <laughs> That's good. So we're all, so yeah, so fuck you, Tim. <laughs> That's all this episode is. That's all, yeah. We're not even going to do the time. We're just going to rag on Tim. So you know what I really hate? DC Comics, guys. Let's talk about how, we... <laughs> how, oh. how much does Green Lantern suck? Don't you just hate Green Lantern? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It's going to start. It's going to start. I can't wait because he listens to the episodes, too. So he's totally going to hear all of this. Yeah. And I'm leaving this all in. Yeah, so, definitely. Well, that's good. So we've had our fun. How are you guys doing? You guys doing good? Oh, yeah, now it's all downhill. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it's downhill from here. Now it's yeah. just a monster. Yeah, sorry, what? How are you? <laughs> How's it going, Christy? It's been a while. It's been 10 weeks since we talked to you last. <laughs> um, life doesn't really make a lot of sense time-wise linear what is linear life anymore um, no it feels like i just talked to you like a week ago basically I know, so i know well uh i got a new job which is very exciting Ooh, congratulations thank y'all i start next week congratulations. And, um, 
it's a great gig and um i'm very excited to get started and yeah i'm just trying to think um what else is new i'm still taking my improv classes online and pitching something to netflix hopefully next week so exciting very exciting yeah we'll see that's that's my life. It's just been like chaos, crazy, wrapping one job, heading to a next, trying to do a million things. So mm-hmm. cool. So you guys, let's let's do a little nerdy news. Not a lot because there isn't a lot this week, but we're going to talk about some Emmys and shit. But uh, first of all, I was watching Kevin Smith's Fat Man Beyond podcast last night. Apparently, he's going back to Green Hornet, and a new Green Hornet series is being produced by Kevin Smith. Oh. So that was the biggest news I, I got this week that I didn't see anywhere really like super announced, but they were talking about it Thursday night and I'll watch. I mean, at this point I'll watch basically anything cause fuck, there's nothing to watch, but yeah. Um, I, I would watch that. The 2011 green Hornet movie with Seth Rogen was like, it was a, a film. It was a movie. It was incidentally actually was like a failed Kevin Smith project. Like he left the project and that's the movie that resulted in like him leaving it. Like he just yeah. didn't think he could do it justice. So he, he bolted on it at that huh. point. So he was on that movie. So his, his version of that got turned into a comic book a couple years later, but yeah, that movie was not ideal. So, yeah. and it was directed by someone who I really respect, Michelle Gondry and mm-hmm. like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is many people's favorite movie or one of their favorite movies so like it's not like there wasn't pedigree behind the original green hornet so like oh like i like the seth rogan like usually his writing stuff lately has been pretty good like i like preacher and like that kind of stuff so like mm-hmm. when he produces projects i'm usually on board i just it, that one didn't super connect with me mm-hmm. I, I used to watch the old show though like it used to be on tv with batman right when oh, yeah. i was growing up so like I used to watch the old show and it didn't have that like charm to it, which is I think what I that's what I think Kev would bring back to it doing like a reboot TV show is like he would he watched that show, right? And talks about it very fondly. So I'd assume mm-hmm. he'd want to bring that like Dozier sixty six kind of production style as yeah. much of it as he couldn't bring back to that like now and bring that back kind of thing. So yeah. I think it's animated though, but like hey, everything's gonna be animated for a couple years. So I, I like animated stuff generally speaking it allows for more like creative uh action scenes i mean within the limitations of real life you can do some cool shit with cinematography obviously but like as we've seen with anime and like north american animation you can do some like next level shit with that so or you can you know do a transformers netflix series and not do any of that thing that's also an option apparently yeah yeah. so i haven't seen that yet yeah, well, we'll talk about it. It's it's kind of in my list of things to talk about this week. So, mm-hmm. so first thing at the very top, aside from the Kevin Smith Green Hornet possibility, we'll see if it ever actually comes to fruition or not. But he's his like he's actually got Masters of the Universe on track to come out. So I'm assuming he'll actually get this one out this time too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Emmy nominations came out, and boy oh boy, was it genre friendly this year. So. Um, we'll just go over like some of the top level stuff, but like outstanding drama series this year was Better Call Saul, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozarks, uh, Stranger Things, and Succession. So there's like three or four shows that we talk about fairly frequently on this mm-hmm. podcast that for are better up for... or worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously Stranger Things, but like we love Mandalorian. Tim mm-hmm. and I will talk your ear off about Better Call Saul all day. So mm-hmm. you guys have watched Handmaid's Tale. You two have watched Handmaid's Tale in yeah. particular. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's declining quality since the first season, in my opinion. Yeah, but, but like most shows kind of are usually. Yeah, so. and same with Killing Eve. I really like Killing Eve. The first two seasons were quite good, and yeah. the last season was 
kind of a, a noodle scratcher for me. Wasn't quite sure what they were going for. Uh, <laughs> a little noodle scratcher? A little noodle scratcher. Could, could, couldn't quite wrap my head around what they were what they were doing, but, you know, it was fine. You know, Fair enough. it's still Sandra O, oh, and she's great. Love her. Yeah. Well, the big news also is like Outstanding Limited Series this year's has a Watchmen as one of the nominees. So deserved. Which is, I mean, they crushed the nomination numbers for Watchmen were something like, did they get like 19 nominations or something like that? Good. Deserved. I mean, that, that shit was incredible. The Watchmen series swept the board with a stunning 26 nominations across 19 categories. Fucking craziness. Incidentally, uh, The Mandalorian also racked up 13 nominations. So like, mm. big numbers for both shows that we fucking blow up constantly on this podcast. <laughs> True. So. Yeah. Uh, outstanding comedy series, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Good Place, Dead to Me, Insecure, The Kaminsky Method, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yes! The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Uh, Maisel. Schitt's Creek, and What We Do in Shadows. Again, uh, just a laundry <laughs> list of shows that we all love and watch, yeah, right? Yeah, so, What We Do in Shadows is fucking genius. The Good it's Place is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm's funny. Like, I know you guys watch, have watched Schitt's yeah. Creek, I'm assuming both yeah, of you. Yeah, so good. That seems like a Christy thing. Wait, you haven't watched that, Christy? I've watched the first season. I really liked it. I okay. just haven't. I haven't caught up just because I I got on the train late. Um, yeah. I also fair. haven't finished. I haven't finished Handmaid's Tale because it was a lot. And during yeah. a pandemic, yeah. I was like, I don't want to sit with this. Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, I've never seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I hear is like upsetting as an improviser and a comedian. I like. I need to watch it. You should watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I don't even really generally like like the Seinfeld style of stuff, but like I like Larry David a fair yeah. bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, but like, yeah, Good Place also, like, like Jesus. I love Good you know, Place. Kristen uh, Bell and like that whole cast is just marvelous. So yeah, I, they, that's a deserved nomination too. Yeah. So. Um, Christina Applegate, just her herself in Dead to Me is worth the entire yeah. series. She's uh, she's the most like, I got to get back to that. I watched the first ever. season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I watched the first season. She's really good. It was pretty she's good. Really good. So. Yeah. Lead actor in a limited series is where you'll see Jeremy Irons from Watchmen get popped up. Like, but this is really weird because like Hugh Jackman did Bad Education, Jeremy Pope, Hollywood, Mark Ruffalo. I know this. I know this much is true. So they've been doing TV movies all this year. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense as production started to shut down. I like that you call wow. them TV movies, but they're like they were released directly to streaming. Oh, is that what they are? They're Netflix movies. Oh, that's fine. Okay. And uh, well, to be fair, I think the Bad Education was a an HBO film. Mm. I think it was released on HBO Max, though, so technically a streaming movie. But it has Hugh Jackman and Alice and Janney in it, which I don't know why I haven't watched it yet because that's like Alice yeah. and Janney is my is my shit. I love Alice and Janney. Did you see this new? There's a horror movie that just came out that has Alice and Brie in it. Like the oh shit, what was it called? Like it just came out to streaming, and I was like, I'm on board because Alice and Brie's in it. But I haven't actually sat down and watched it yet. What was mm. that called? I don't know. Well, I'm sorry, I'm just like because she was in Horse Girl. That was yes. That was weird. That's a weird movie. Yeah, it was, oh, the rental. It's just like it sounds like a pretty generic horror movie, but the poster's kind of cool, and she is in it. So yeah. Alison Brie deserves better. She deserves yeah. the world. Um, yes, agreed. <laughs> and agreed. Um, just cast her She Hulk already. Just do it. Just cast her. I I can't believe they haven't done that yet. So, but either way, so there's lots of stuff you can go check out the Emmy nominations. Like there's a long list of them in Iona, and I don't want to go into like too much depth because otherwise we'll be here listing names that nobody cares about all night. But yeah, big big showings for like Watchmen and The Mandalorian, and it's pretty cool that like seeing like that outstanding comedy like list is it's baffling how much good comedy is on TV right now. Actually, so it's true. <laughs> like it's it's amazing that the quality of comedy has like gone. Like skyrocketed. just skyrocketed, yeah. It's yeah. it is crazy. 
So that's pretty cool. Quite the time. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So the next thing I had on here, there is another, I, I love talking about these animated adaptations of comic book movies that DC does just because like everybody gets to groan, but this one's got a weird gimmick. They're actually doing death in the family, which is the, oh. the story in the comics where Jason Todd is killed by the Joker oh. and they're actually making it like an interactive DVD function Oh no! or like something like that. So you either Robin cheats death, Batman saves Robin or Robin dies and you get to pick your ending of the movie, I God. guess based on. Yeah. I hate so that they, so much. I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board because it kind of makes you have to go buy the disc. Like I don't know how you do this in an inch, like you have to like download an, like an EXE to run it on Wait. your computer. Right? Well, no, you could so. do um uh, the Netflix style. Oh, I guess they could do it on like Netflix. Black Mirror Bandersnatch. kind of thing. Yeah, actually, it, yeah, I guess it might be something like that. I think it's just one selection you get to make is like how that obviously that twist happens. But yeah, the trailer came up this week and it looks mediocre. But I just thought that option was interesting. Like that's a weird way to do that. Yeah, I mean, so. obviously everyone's going to choose. Like, you're gonna go through them all. You're gonna Eventually, go back, yeah. back and see what the, the the different options are. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. Choose your own trauma, I guess. Like, either way, it's gonna. I don't be... know. I mean, like, I didn't call to kill Robin back then because, like, I was a kid when that happened. But like, I, I, Most I could did. have. I... Was that the yeah, whole point? I... Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it was like it was fifty-fifty for the most. I think at the end of the day, like, it was very, very close. But like, if you had the option at that point, like, if it's that, just do it at that point because it's a bigger story to just kill Robin at that point, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, so the the last thing I had for news was that War for Cybertron came out this week, and mm-hmm. it was it was okay. Like I watched it. I'm gonna watch it again probably yeah. at some point. It's good characterization. I like the like the the model work and stuff was actually surprising. Like I was enjoying the 3D work. So um, I was a little hesitant about that when going into it, but I think they pulled it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. So if Story you haven't line, had a chance, it was like I actually didn't mind it. Like it felt it more maybe more for the character work. They actually put some like there's some character development on Megatron and Optimus that you don't usually get. Like there's not really a lot of call for that in these in transformers media generally, but yeah, they feel like they're building more rounded characters in the show. That's good. So I mean, like that was exciting. Optimus and Megatron. I think one of the reasons people glom onto Starscream so much is that he does have like a personality, a, a personality yeah. and yeah. The, like Megatron and Optimus are such archetypes. They're really not characters per se like optimus yeah. primal was for sure because he had a, like a long series to develop who he was yeah and that megatron in particular was fantastic oh fabulous. i love that megatron Beast Wars megatron is Beast like megatron. the best megatron yeah, yeah absolutely so fabulous yeah but yeah so i'm glad that they're giving like because i think there's a lot to explore in terms of what optimus and megatron's ideologies like what what was the schism to begin with that's kind of the stuff that they're touching on like they're hinting at it right now but it's like just having it even mentioned kind of is like oh look they're giving these characters a little bit of depth was the season perfect no would i have liked the action to be a little bit better yes but like hey transformers on tv that i can bear to watch is you know something i guess so there is that that was about all i really had for news right this week so i I had just one piece that i wanted to talk about it's not happy news but it's like sure it's about daredevil so peter shinkoda who played uh oh i saw this yes um, yes. was talking about how jeff Loeb said that no one gives a shit about asian characters and that they dropped storylines for both nobu and madame gao in daredevil because of jeff Loeb. 
and the best probably fucking Pearl characters. Like, uh, right? That's... Okay, that's what I wanted to talk about because what? I just, just dropping them. They had they the reason that well, Madame Bow. Yeah, the show died um, because it got lost in the Netflix to Disney Plus transition. Yeah, for Marvel, but while they were doing the show, Madame Gao and Nobu were both supposed to have much more detailed backstories, and Jeff Loeb basically nixed that in the writers' room, saying no one gives a shit about Asian characters, which was like yeah. Madame. So Gao, one more time for the fucking record book, go fuck yourself, Jeff Loeb. We're yep. glad you've retired or yeah. have been retired or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Put out to pasture. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. So good riddance to bad rubbish. And hopefully we get, I don't know. I really like that. Madam Gao. Um, she was my favorite too. character. She was the, like she and both she and Fisk were excellent villains. And I liked watching both of them on screen. So I would have liked to have seen more. Her. They should have done. I thought they should have done more with Nobu. Like I, when I remember watching that show and being like, I would watch like a whole season of him and Nobu just going at it because like yeah. this is intense. This is yeah. like a, an original character that I enjoy and like I'm sure you could have put some comic book spin on it that would have like tied it closer to the mythology or something. But I mean, they that, had him revived by the hand. Yeah, yeah. That that actor was super intense and excellent at it, and like that character was like like fascinating as like a oft revived hand, like assassin or whatever. Like that's a yeah. interesting character right like somebody who's come back from the dead a couple times and does that kind of work yeah and just gets yeah, more, way to waste more it. monstrous mm-hmm. yeah way to waste it boys yeah. that's just because you yeah. like oh because you ha- you cast an asian character and nobody cares about asians like why are you in why are you writing a daredevil show dude like half this stuff comes from like all right never mind it's all ninjas all the time nobody cares about asian people in daredevil comic fucking idiot eat shit jeff eat shit. <laughs> anyway that was all Either. i had yeah. Uh, the last one, uh, it, I have, the only thing I'm seeing here, remember Beyond Good and Evil? Did you guys play that game back yeah. in the day? No. That's a great, fucking great game. It was a great game, yeah, it's an excellent game, but they're, apparently they're making a Netflix movie. I know there's a sequel coming up for that game, I think, like, next year. <laughs> there so. has been for, like, a thousand years. Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been vaporware for longer <laughs> than Kingdom Hearts 3 was well, vaporware. When, what did that come out for originally? That's a GameCube game, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Like, I think it was a GameCube. Like, originally, originally came out on GameCube and was ported around a little bit um, yeah. after the fact. Origin- but, no, yeah, it was on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube. It was that, yeah. that generation. I, I, remember, I remember getting it for GameCube because that was kind of like the original one. But yeah. yeah, it was a good game. I liked that game. But, like, it had a Zelda-esque feel to it. Like, I mean, in terms of the gameplay structure, it had yeah. kind of a, a Zelda feel to it. But... I don't know, they sh- I've always thought they should have done more with it. I don't think it sold very well, but yeah. it's curious if they're bringing it to Netflix because it was an interesting story in a weird little world to kind of inhabit. So mm-hmm. it should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so it's time for... Oh, man, it's been a long time since we've got a Christy Geek of the Week sting. So. <gasps> oh, yeah, here we go. Are you ready? Let's, let's like, wind it up. <gasps> Geek of the Week! Geek, Geek of, the week. of the Week! Oh, I like the addition. I'm trying there to like clap quietly, but I can see it peeking up my audacity file. I'm so it's sorry. Fine. It's okay. I just leave that shit, that kind of shit in. That's like, that's, <laughs> that's fine ambiance for the podcast. It's like, what, are, what we don't want is Mark clinking fucking dishes in the background. You know what I mean? That's it's not he's been there, so it's all good. Oh, that's, that's good. That's what we want to hear. Make sure. <laughs> well, I hope so. I would hope that it's quieter. I mean, yes. If he's clanking that much when he's pooping, then, like, <laughs> what's he eating? Robot. What's he pooping? Like, that's not good. Yeah. Should get that check. So, Christy, it's been a while. What was your Geek of the Week? Ooh, my Geek of the Week? Uh, I finished Last of Us 2 and was 
just like you know when you finish a game that like really satisfies you but isn't actually satisfying just because of the nature of the game like there's a bunch of reasons like i, I don't want to spoil anything for last of us 2 but it had me going like i gotta look at the forums like what does this mean <laughs> just like yeah going yeah, crazy. yeah uh basically that's how the i reacted to the last of us uh yeah. it was also kind of one of those games like that so yeah the ultimate example of that for me is Eternal Darkness because, like, you beat oh, the game the yes. one time and you're like, "This can't be it! It's a terrible ending!" And then you have to beat it like four more times. Four and more then, times, and then it's still not happy because it's a fucking no. Lovecraft game. But like, yeah, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I you're just that. like, yeah, you're just angry because you're like, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't have like put all my my eggs in this basket or whatever <laughs> but like i am now i'm like feeling things and i just i don't know what the things are and why i'm like i don't know how to just i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i immediately went and started playing i i don't know about you guys but like my anxiety levels for during the pandemic have been like kind of crazy and what it helps me I don't know anyone else. I don't know. I don't think anyone yeah, else has an anxiety. Trust me, like, I, I had a night. I had a I had a very very sleepless panic attack induced night like two nights ago. So yeah. like yeah, every yeah. It's, yeah. yeah yeah. So again, I think I'm the only person in the world who actually understands. So um, <laughs> as I was like having this like mini anxiety attack, I was realized that I just needed something that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've started playing a new playthrough of Inquisition, or not Inquisition, nice, okay. Dragon Age Origins. Dragon, Dragon Age Origins, go, yes. Go through. My next big game is going to be Red Dead Redemption Two, but that is I, my mm, no. Mm, what? I, I mean, I liked it, but I only got like twenty five hours into it before I got kind of bored with how like overly simulatory it is. Like it's almost uh... a chore to just like even just like get your horse ready to go on a ride feels like a fucking job the whole time. And I'm, I was like, it looks great story was super fucking awesome but like as soon as the game starts to feel like work i'm like bye so i was i had some trouble with red dead 2 oh. red dead 1 one of my favorite fucking games of last gen like red dead 1 blew my goddamn mind i was so happy with that game yeah uh, when i finally got to it so like i was on board for red dead 2 i just oh i maybe i should go back to it now that it's like yeah. well that's know. how i felt that's how i felt recently when i was playing um octopath traveler mm. yeah Loved Octopath Traveler up to a point because yeah. I tried to play through all of the characters at once. Yeah, so the characters in Octopath Traveler like are such like bland archetypes a lot of the time that mm. only I think only is it the dancer she's got a pretty good storyline and yes she it, has a great storyline yeah but everyone else is just kind of like meh. I like the battle system but that only takes you so far in an RPG. The graphics, I still think the graphics look great in that oh, game. Exactly. It was like one of those, like, such a cool looking game. Like, yeah. But I'm know. hoping that the, the sequel is just the, gives it a little bit more oomph, oomph yeah. in the storytelling department. Yeah, don't sure. touch anything else. It was just mm. that it was repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. You had a person, you had to go to their city, and when the city, you're in the city, you had to find the thing that connected to the story, and that yeah. one little thing like made you have to go to another part of the same city that you've already been to 14 times. But you gotta go back and forth because the cities aren't big enough because of the way the game is built to give it a lot of depth. It's just like, <sighs> ah! But anyway, my geek of the week is that I started a new playthrough of Dragon Age Origins because it is my comfort game. Because it doesn't, 
I don't put the stake in it that I do with a game like Mass Effect, where you know I have to question. Oh yeah, you're, not I'm gonna you're be having all your like. Wearing. Yes, I was gonna say all your ships and all that good stuff you got to put in there. Yeah, absolutely. I get the thing it. Is, if I don't choose Garrus, I don't enjoy the game as much. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I want to. I'm trying Tally right now, but it's just doesn't hurts. feel right. Doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. But anyway, um, so that's my geek of the week. It's very long. That's fair. <laughs> just let that's me fair. grab my wine. Paul, what about you? Uh, my Geek of the Week is I started reading The Age of Innocence by Edith Wharton. Nice. Kind of a turn-of-the-century American novel where she mm-hmm. spends the first chapter shitting on Americans because they're all new money. Like, the way that she makes fun of New Yorkers in this novel is the way that New Yorkers make fun of New Yorkers on in stand-up these days. Like, she's great. Like, fucking yeah. really interesting perspective. Like, the, the whole thing about, like, the existence of taxis, because they were a new thing back then. It's, like, something about how New Yorkers want to leave a place faster than how they got there and stuff like that. Just, like, really very cutting and very intriguing. And her writing style is just so, like, upper crust, like, skewering bitchiness. Just fucking fabulous. Right up so, your alley. Very much that. Very that. Yeah. So. Yeah, Edith Wharton, great, cool, great stuff. Yeah, mine obviously Transformers: uh, War for Cybertron Siege debuted like Thursday, which means I watched it Thursday, uh, basically <laughs> in one big sitting. Um, I was super on board. Uh, I mean, I've, we've been talking about this for a while. I've been buying these toys and stuff when I see them in Walmart, and they're not eighty dollars or whatever. Like, I'll grab a forty dollar one, no problem. Yeah, like I, yeah, the uh, the series was like worth the wait. Well, maybe not worth the wait, but it was good. I enjoyed it. We'll probably have to do an episode on it at some point once like. A couple of us have all seen it and decide whether it's worth doing an episode on. I would definitely go in there and just try, just to talk about Transformers for an hour. I think for me would be fun. So yeah, I, like I had a good time with it. Go watch it if you are interested. Basically, nice. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, good. Like I just, I just like it because they actually they're using the CAD files of the toys to animate the show. Basically, mm. so like they're, everything's super accurate. Like I grabbed my little Optimus Prime that I bought, and it's the same. Uh, guy i'm seeing on screen even more so than like when you watch it when you're a kid you're like oh they don't look exactly right now they look exactly right because they're using the same files to like animate the show that they used to like build the toys and stuff it's like actually that kind of makes sense you should that's a good idea do that all the time now please yeah yeah for so. sure nice so yeah it was pretty so it's pretty good it's time now though it's me to the episode time wait wait did yeah, you start. Go ahead. I'll do the. I'll was, do the thing. Okay. It's like, am I taking over now? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, here we go. Meat of the episode. Generational meat. <laughs> That's fucking nasty, dude. I know, right? That's <laughs> fucking gross. Mm. So now that I've got to, I got to take a drink to get that taste out of my mouth, because. Oh, that's what she said. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, we are uh, coming up on the end of a console generation. The PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X are imminent at this point. Like, we should be seeing launch information, like, at any moment. We're getting news constantly about these new decks. I think all of us are kind of excited about them because new console generation and being a gamer means exciting new fucking toys to play with, right? So, but I thought before we hopped aboard and started talking about, like, what we're excited about for PS5 and Xbox Series X, we did a little look back at the generation that we just lived through. So we're going to go back and 
the three of the, the three video gamers that show up on this podcast are going to talk about our favorite video games of this past console generation. So we kind of limited it to what was out basically on PS4, Xbox One, and the Nintendo Switch, along with kind of the equivalent years for PC. If you had a special case you wanted to make for something on that, um, if you had a master race argument you wanted to make, I guess over on the PC side. Oof. exactly pulling pulling collars pulling collars but you know pc master race it's still a subreddit so there you go are you no yeah oh yeah pc master race is like a huge thing that's like that's it was it's been a joke since yahtzee remember yahtzee made the joke originally and it was supposed to be a derogatory term for like the assholes who just bitch about how amazing pcs are to game on because the graphics are always a little bit better because, I mean, they've got dedicated graphics graphics processing and all that good stuff, right? So the graphics work a little bit nicer than the consoles or a lot nicer than the consoles, depending on what point of the generation they are. Yeah. So PC Master Race was a joke that Yahtzee made on Zero Punctuation Reviews 10 years ago, I believe. And uh, they actually glommed onto it and took it as like a compliment. And that's now what they call themselves is the PC Master Race. And I was yeah. like... Maybe not the lesson to take from that, but okay, cool, fine. Some some of the more self-aware ones will take the piss out of themselves every once in a while. And yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like I just spent fi- like fifteen hundred dollars on a point zero one percent increase in graphical processing, and they're totally they PCMR. Totally yeah. yeah, yeah. Hashtag PCMR. That. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, but yeah, I will be. I will probably be the one making a case for a PC game. Uh, well, I, I'm kind of like one of the games that I played, I preferred playing on PC for a, a couple graphical reasons. But like, yeah, so I guess I am kind of one of those guys now, but yeah. whatever. It's cool. <laughs> so let's uh, let's start out. We got let's we'll, we'll probably talk about a bunch of games at this point, but let's let's do like the top two or three for each of us. And we'll just kind of go around in a little circle and talk about our three favorite games of the generation. So let's start with Christy, who's got that look three. on her face. We, we're going to talk about a bunch, but like, let's do your top three, and then we'll kind of. What top three? How? But <laughs> I know I love I love when like I we I said three or four. Christy sends us six, and I was like, <laughs> that's not how this, this. I mean, that's how it used to work, but we got to keep these episodes short now, Christy. So like, <laughs> three or four, you know, what I mean? <laughs> and we can talk about anything else afterwards. All right, all right. Well, then I would say that my. Are we going like? One, two, three, just saying them all at once. What do you want? Just, well, let's start with your... I guess it doesn't really matter at this point, since it's just kind of a general conversation about this kind of stuff. So pick one you want to talk about the top at the top, and let's start talking. Well, see, this is funny, because I could be real mean right now, because I know there's some overlap. <laughs> there is some overlap, absolutely. And I assume there would be. So if you want to bring something up that's on my list, go nuts. Can I actually? Sure. Okay, because for me... Well, okay, I'll start with this. My, my my top game of the last console gen was Witcher 3. Yeah. Hands fair. down, no question. Outstanding graphics, outstanding story, open world environment that actually introduced me to an open world space that I enjoyed versus when I felt a little overwhelmed and things like Skyrim and Oblivion because I'd never really tried those before and those are hard games to get into when you've never done an open world. And Witcher had just enough story based around him and reoccurring characters that I felt like I could still feel connected to what was going on around me while I was playing. Again, the storytelling was absolutely insanely good. And I just, the expansions, the fact they gave you like another 80 hours almost of gameplay was 
insanity. Like it was another, it was a, it was a whole other game. It was, it was a sequel to what you'd already played. So I just, I, yeah, <laughs> chef's kiss, chef's kiss to Witcher three. Fair enough. Yeah. I've heard excellent things about that. It's just it's so dauntingly large to, to get into. Also, it, it drives Christy insane that I don't play it. So there's also that, which is fun. <laughs> Although you're going to have to come back and do a cyberpunk episode with me when that game comes out. Yes, Cause I know I it's a CD project red game that you're probably excited for. And I'm fucking dying to play uh, cyberpunk. CD project red is brilliant. They're yeah, so they do good. they do high quality work, but I've been watching the videos on Cyberpunk like actively, and I'm just like, give me this fucking game! Like, oh, it looks so now. cool! It is crazy so. how cool that game looks. But yeah, no, uh, it was that was probably I think my top. That's your sure. top game for the generation. Fair enough. What about Paul? What about you, Paul? Let's let's oh. let's like, what was your favorite of the gen? I guess if we're gonna just go out and call it that for right now. Jesus Christ, that is a tough call for my favorite. I mean, Based on game. hours alone, you're probably talking about Final Fantasy right now. Yeah, I mean, I I guess like I have to say Final Fantasy 14 ended up being my favorite, and like I was I, I'm as surprised as anybody else because I never thought I'd get back into an MMORPG. When I got back to Canada and we were in lockdown, like that really was my lifeline. Like Final Fantasy yeah. 14 really was what got me through the first month, basically. Yeah, I was feeling a little depressed. I was like exercising and stuff and whatnot and trying to like keep up my spirits, but it was really Final Fantasy XIV storyline, especially Shadowbringers, the latest one, the latest expansion that really got me through. And it was just so much fun to play and being a white mage was actually like super fun to do. I got to be a healer and I got to have like healer superiority complex, which is great for me because I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah love to be a martyr so yeah. you know um paul likes being in charge and forcing you to realize that he's in charge so yeah, like yeah being the white mage in a, in a group yeah but by, be, by being the white mage right like by being the most indispensable person in the team that's how paul does it that's how i do so yeah it yeah. works so that was great and like the um the character work that they did in final fantasy 14 for a lot of the warriors of light and like the various side characters were was really good I just never thought I would get back into an MMO. And I have, I've dropped off a lot since then because I just haven't had time to play. I yeah. would, once well, the new... Well, you need to move back and stuff, so... Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty crazy. I am back to working full-time as well. So, gotta do what I gotta do. But because of the COVID delay on the latest uh, update, everyone's kind of dropped off of Final Fantasy XIV, except for the really hardcore people who are doing, like, raid progressions and things like that. So I... Good timing on them having that third update out just around as COVID hit kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, obviously they weren't planning for that, but it was incidentally, like, an excellent pull for Square to have, like, a massive MMO suddenly have a huge update, especially a huge popular MMO like Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah. So. And so their next, their next update isn't going to be until, like, september maybe because of they had to figure out working remotely and stuff like that but yeah i think the graphics still hold up for an mmo i'm sure there are prettier games out there i don't have a lot to compare it to like the mmo that i compare it to is final fantasy 11 and i saw that's still getting content this week too yeah. right? like it's been, got a patch or something. it's been 18 years what? and they're still getting story content I yeah. can't believe their server's still active. That's crazy to me that like that game still has people active servers. Still, people still pay for it. I mean, like our the guy that we used to play with 
Final Fantasy XI, he still logs in every once in a while. Does he not? Like, I think I've seen. I don't know. I think he's he plays. He's playing fourteen now. I think more yeah. than anything. John plays. I see John on PlayStation on Network in Final Fantasy fourteen all the yeah. time. So. Yeah, but fourteen fourteen is more user friendly. It's more. It's more accessible. It's. I mean, that's sure. none of these are none of these are saying much compared to Final Fantasy XI. Right, right but. sure. But like, I would say that just in general as a game it's surprisingly accessible fair like it's easy to kind of get back into the swing of things after a while because like i had dropped off for a year and a half before i got back into it in canada and i was right back into the swing of things within a week or so i was doing higher level raid stuff so yeah you can you can learn your if you put in the practice you can learn your job pretty quickly so yeah final fantasy 14 still still the the hotness still good (laughs) <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, and for me, this gen has been like kind of a, a a mixed bag. I've had games that I've loved. I've had games that I've wanted to play that like disappointed me massively. And we'll get into those eventually too uh, in this episode because it's not a dance robot dance episode unless we bitch about something. <laughs> but my favorite game this generation, and it may just be like new hotness on my brain, but like Control really kind of caught my attention, and so much so that I played through it. That game's less than a year, or just turned a year old like a couple weeks ago. And I played through it three times on three different consoles now, or three different whatever platforms now. Because mm-hmm. I initially played through it on Xbox when it first came out, because I had my One X and 4K, blah, blah, blah. And then it got the expansion faster on PlayStation, which meant I rebought it on PlayStation so that I could play the expansion. And then when my rig died, I had to rebuild a whole new machine. And that meant putting a new graphics card in my machine, which also included the ray tracing functionality that's in the new GeForce cards which Control takes advantage of. So I am in the middle of another playthrough of Control with full ray tracing and DLSS 2.0 on, and it looks just really fucking pretty. (laughs) The way that uh, Final Fantasy is a game built almost specifically for me, Control is a game built specifically for Mark, even up to the main character being a cute redhead. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, Courtney Hope. The, the actress Courtney Hope, actually, who plays Jesse in the game, is uh, incidentally, weirdly enough, a bold and the beautiful actress, huh? which is a like an American soap opera that is like related to the American soap opera that my mom has watched our whole lives. Oh yeah, they are sister shows, aren't they? They like they're sister over. shows with Young and the Restless. Yeah, and they've crossed over and this, that, and the other thing. But Courtney Hope, the actress who's in control as Jesse, is on Bold and the Beautiful. And when I started following her on social media. I started getting all these updates about Bold and the Beautiful. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with my social media all of a sudden? And it's because <laughs> I followed this one actress who just happened to be in my currently favorite game of the generation. So, yeah. But, yeah, Control is excellent. Uh, it looks amazing. It plays amazing. Um, it's basically, yeah, it's a game built for me. It's art directed within an inch of its life. Everything is, it's all brutalist architecture and giant geometric fonts. And, yes, cute redhead who's super badass and stuff and also and vaguely psychic and, conspiracy and government theories. conspiracies and like <laughs> supernatural nonsense. Literally it's everything like, that Mark loves. Like, it's like X-Files mixed with Twin Peaks mixed with superhero stuff. Like it's just, it is a hundred percent what I like about culture and media and all that kind of stuff. It's like an episode missing, of Night Vale. Yeah. The only thing it's missing is giant robots fighting for like uh, shiny cubes, I guess. Cause like, Hey Paul, you should maybe play control, buddy. Some, like, 
I, I have it. I have the whole I the whole expansion like yeah, uh, and that, and that, there's still an expansion due out in the next. Like it's supposed to come out in I, the rumor was August for the uh, Alan Wake expansion. Like that's the cool thing about Control. It's also a a game that is tied into a larger universe now. Um, it was a technically a sequel to Alan Wake, which was an Xbox 360 classic. Oh um, yeah. They, they, they take place in the same universe. So the the developer Remedy is Remedy Entertainment, who did we just talked about Quantum Break and was the other game oh alan wake and then quantum break was a game for xbox one that came out starring one of the x-men iceman brothers i don't remember which one he's in there too yeah one of them is in there i don't know i played like the first two hours of it it's a little clunkier like it doesn't play as nicely as control does so i didn't really get into it the story was interesting but it's just like it felt very like i don't know not super polished gameplay wise i guess i don't know maybe if i got a little further into it it would have been better but it wasn't as immediately grabbing as control was for me so it was like right from the beginning of that game i sat down and was just like holy shit yeah this game was like designed for me to enjoy and love and i'm just like any opportunity to go back to the oldest house is a welcome one at this point whether it be because i want to go play it with ray tracing because they put a, a dlc out or whatever i'm hoping for a sequel very early on in the next generation because this game looks beautiful with the ray tracing on, and I can only imagine they're going to get better once these features are like baked into the actual like software and all that kind of stuff. Like it'll be a mandatory feature for Control Two, I would imagine. And if it looks this good in Control One, I can only imagine what it'll look like when they do the sequel. So, um, if you guys have you guys either of you tried it? I know I, I mentioned it to Christy a couple times as something she'd be interested in, and I've been pimping it to Paul like crazy for like. A year yeah i have it downloaded like i have not had the opportunity to play video games very much because mm-hmm. like still getting used to like my brand new life here like i'm yeah th- this is my first time sharing a house with something like i'm living with my boyfriend for the first time ever so i'm figuring out like shared media time versus personal media time while i'm like working full-time and stuff so like I'm just we're just enjoying watching movies together and stuff like that. So like video games, like he plays he's playing Fallout 4 right now in the other room while I do this. But yeah, we're still figuring that out. But Control is way up there on my list. Cuz I it was it was on sale and so it's downloaded yes. with the expansion on my PS4 and I'm going to play it. It's going to happen. I'd be I would love to do an episode about that game at some point cuz it, it is there's just a lot in there that's a lot of fun and it's I feel like it's very up like the podcast general alley in terms of like content and stuff like that i guarantee you christy once you get into it you'll love it like it's it's pretty grabbing it's creepy though so beware like it can be it's a little spooky i feel like i've said things like this before to you guys but Ah, i I know (laughs) but like control takes 15 hours to complete not you know 150 so what about a book book only takes about 15 hours to read i'm just yeah that means that's uh, also actually. You know what? I could probably put that on to listen to. I've been listening to nothing but podcasts while I've been working the last two weeks. So audiobooks are great. Well, audiobooks are great. Might have to get my Audible back on at some point Do and it! listen to. Uh, you know, I don't know something. Name of the wind. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, so that that that's kind of our. Those are our three favorite. That's very disparate three games. Mm. Yeah. From the three of us, like a big MMO, Christie's. You know, huge open world, huge open world. Yeah. And then my, you know, weird horror action game. So paranoid, like locked in very like linear kind of. It's interesting, too, because like actually when I, I replayed it on PlayStation was right at the beginning of the COVID lockdown. Like Paul and I were stuck in the house together and he was doing endless, endless hours of Final Fantasy. And <laughs> yeah. 
I just I like I don't know. It controls weird because like you are you're kind of alone in the oldest house and like it's kind of oppressive and stuff like that. And for some reason, maybe it's just I'm broken psychologically. But like when <laughs> the lockdown happened, I was like, I want to go back to the oldest house. If I'm going to be locked down in a house, it may as well be a cool one where there's like demons and shit running around or whatever, or like dimensional yeah. gateways I can fall into because whatever. Like real world, this real world is boring. Now, yeah. So let's go do control again. And a lot of like we were we were talking about it earlier, like with uh, Christie's Geek of the Week. But like people who suffer from anxiety go back to things they've watched before because like new stuff can be extremely taxing to even begin. You know, oh like, my God. It, it's like I I have so many ambitions to watch so many things. But, I, have, like, I have so many shows I want to watch, but I'm watching Star Trek Enterprise again. Yeah, so, like, yeah. but we had a bad experience with that the other night. Uh, I had heard about this movie called Climax. It's a French art film by Gaspard Noé. Where yeah, um, those n- never end well. No, <laughs> you do that to yourself. Bon yeah, surprise. So because I we were it, it, I liked it because like the the opening sequence is this huge amazing dance sequence where people are voguing and like doing all kinds of great dancing and then it turns into this drug-induced horror film where people start killing each other and it's just like we had to turn the movie off because it was so stressful it's just too much yeah it was just too much like fuck enough fucking french french art house bullshit let's turn that (laughs) shit off it's good stuff good stuff sometimes but like you gotta be you gotta be very selective with what you grab to watch from that kind of like yeah especially on the artsy side like if you if it's like a oh it's a festival movie or something like that those can go real weird real fast yeah yeah so like comfort like stuff that you're familiar with even if it's something that is you know something that's bizarre like control (laughs) at least you know what that bizarre is it's something that you can conceive of because you were able to experience it when you were maybe in a better emotional state so possibly yeah i I just i love the shit out of that game i like i everybody who asked me like what game like should i play on these systems right now i'm like go try control it's like it's almost like a demo for next gen this gen and like it's just i mean the storytelling's right up my alley so yeah i'm gonna recommend this game like crazy but uh let's move along here i have let's bring one up that i think we've all shared some experience with here so i've i have breath of the wild very high on my list for this generation as a switch title so i mean we did an episode about this game a year after it came out i was still so hyped on this game that i replayed it to do that episode with the dlc so that when tim and i did that episode with alicia I would have replayed the whole thing plus done the DLC. Now that I'm, when I started doing this list and thinking about that game again, I started wanting to fucking replay Breath of the Wild for the <laughs> third time. And I'm like, I don't know why I have another 200 hour run of Breath of the Wild in me, but it sounds, it still like sounds tempting. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so. and it, and if I'm being perfectly honest, it's still on my shame pile. Um, oh, that's right. I have played really? I have gotten through the the plateau the the initial first four shrines and I've gotten yeah. up to starting the sequence for got to Kakariko village and talked to Impa got to where you could start the temples like the mm-hmm. four temples and then I had to restart the game again cuz I lost my save file no. and then I started it again and I got up to the four shrines finished again, and then I moved. So, yeah. like, it's just been, like, I really want to play Breath of the Wild, but I've had so many false starts on it, and it's such a, like, a, an imposing It idea. is. It's, it can, it's a big hour. game. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I get that 100%. That's why I, 
for a long I haven't been able to play Skyrim because the same thing happened to me. I just it's one of those games that's so expansive. You're kind of like, I have to do yeah. it again. It's actually a stall on why like Witcher hasn't clicked with me yet because like every time I go to sit down and start playing it, I'm like, how much how involved is this? And like, how long is it going to be before I actually get into the game? And it's like, oh, man. That's a lot. Like, that's yeah. just a lot. So I understand because like Breath of the Wild is like it's a huge, huge, huge game. Uh, yeah, my first playthrough was probably 200 hours and that's pre DLC. Yeah. I think my second playthrough was over 200 hours, including the DLC. And just like I enjoy that world and the yeah. fuck about that you can do in that world so much that I was just hanging out and just like I'm just I'm just like bombing around this high rule that I'm at this point God level in and like can basically destroy everything. But like it's a beautiful world and you're, you're even at the end of the game when you played it for 200 hours you'll stumble on this weird corner of the map that you're like i didn't know Wait, this was what? here yeah i played through this game like i spent 400 fucking hours in this map of hyrule and i did not know this was here yeah, like, yeah. it's crazy how beautiful that game is so and i really like i feel like i've missed out that's one of my fomo games for sure because like mm. I really want to experience it because what I have experienced of it, I've really enjoyed even up to the point where I kept freezing to death on the top of the mountain or whatever. And like, <laughs> whatever, like lots of, there's like the amount of stu- times that you die in that game is something that you kind of have to get used to. Cause like, that's not my Zelda experience. Most of the time, my Zelda experience is usually like zero death. Flawless dungeon runs Flawless and stuff. Yeah. Runs. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Uh, it's something that you have to kind of adjust your expectations to, especially since like I got through the timing for Link's Awakening was perfect for me because it was just when like I needed something that was familiar, but it was just different enough and upgraded enough. But I really want to have that Breath of the Wild experience. So it's like up there on my list. Yeah, you got to get into that. You're going to enjoy it. Because like, I, it's almost a game where like, if you could say, if you said to me like, hey, we can delete that game in your brain and you get to play it again for the first time, I'd be like, yes, yes, please. Yeah. I would like to experience that for the first time. Because it's just like, I don't know. There's something about the way they do that, especially early on where the world feels so oppressive. It gets, it's like a environmental storytelling thing that they do in that game yep. where like it's so big and the world's so empty and it feels so desolate and it's kind of like similarly like the way control does its tone like breath of the wild does a very similar kind of like creepy tone which like zelda has touched on before like there's elements of that in some of the other games but it's so just like everywhere in this yeah. game where you're just like come up across these huge like oppressive megapolises that are off in the distance and then you can like walk to those big fucking obelisks and stuff and you're like mm this is weird and kind of weird and creepy and it feels way more ancient and like lived in. So crazy. Remember the first time in link to the past when you went to the dark world after you beat Aghanim and you yes. get that feeling like, Whoa, this is like, this place wants to kill me. Like there's like the flying yeah, bomb mushrooms that are trying to kill you and you're going down that huge pyramid, which ends up being the final yeah, that's the the boss entrance. Yeah, they they put you right where Ganon is, and that's there. It's some. It's so overwhelmingly creepy. Yeah, and get, and then you have to kind of like run away and go back to where your original house is, and it's not there anymore, and it sweeps the rug out from under you. And that's the feeling I got when I first played Breath of the Wild. Is that like immediately there is no rug. There was never yeah. a rug. <laughs> you thought there was going to be a rug, but there's no rug. It's like. Yeah. Walk, like you're walking up the stairs and you think that there's going to be another step but there isn't it's that yeah. feeling all the way through i love that about the beginning of breath of the wild and that's why i want to explore it more 
but man. Bits and pieces of that game even have that, like, you still get that feeling even, like, 200 hours as you're coming to the end, because it's still, like, an after-the-end kind of scenario, right? Like, we're in, you're in that, like, post-apocalypse scenario, and you're just coming back and taking care of it, but it's still done. Like, everybody's still dead. Like, not, people aren't coming back. Mm-hmm. It's just, you, you still gotta fight the bad guy, because the bad guy's still there, and maybe yeah. things can get better, but it's just got a, it's got a really different feel than a lot of the older Zelda games did because of that environmental kind of storytelling that they did. So, yeah, I could talk about Breath of the Wild all night also in case it wasn't obvious because this is one of those games that, like, I love the shit out of. It's just one of those games that really pulls you in, but, like, gives you so much to do that you don't get bored. But also, like, the more you play, the more you're rewarded. Whereas, like, with a lot of open world games, you kind of reach a peak of what you can kind of accomplish. Yeah. But if you keep playing Breath of the Wild, they will keep rewarding you and giving you things that help you get places faster. You can jump off fucking mountains and it's amazing. Yeah. And like, yeah, there's just so many reasons to go back and replay it. Yeah. And I'm guaranteeing you I'll go run through the original at least one more time before the sequel comes out because I just will because I love that, mm-hmm. that first one. All right. Uh, somebody tossed one out there. What else we got? What else came up this gen? Uh, Mario Odyssey. Oh, sorry. Oh, nope. He already said it. He already said his thing. All right, Mario Odyssey works. Uh, if we're going to talk about Nintendo games, yeah, I mean, like yeah. Mario Odyssey also for Switch this year, or like that year. They came up the same year, which is just that bizarre one. planning on Nintendo's fucking part, I guess, at this point, as we're kind of in a another drought of Switch games post-Luigi's Mansion 3 coming out. So Yeah, it's been a weird uh, time for Switch recently because Animal Crossing and then I guess Paper Mario. Oh, yeah, I guess Animal Crossing came out. Yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. And, and yeah, Paper Mario the Origami King came out, which I haven't played yet which i plan to but mario odyssey is similar to breath of the wild uh it's more it's very mario-esque because it's all staged and yeah it's just like it's the same formula like ramped up and just that super fine-tuned gameplay platforming yeah platforming yeah, the... that is it just feels perfect to play as a Mario game. Like, if you're not into Mario, okay, fine. But if you are a Mario player, like, Odyssey just felt correct immediately once it, I got it in my hands. Like, Mario, yeah, Odyssey is one of those games, that, like, I, I bought it immediately, played the shit out of it for, like, two weeks. I, like, beat the game, but I didn't, like, destroy the game because there's, like, kind of two levels to it. Like, I beat the story and then I never went back to it. And I kind of regret that. And maybe I should, that's maybe a game I should play right now is go back and do Mario Odyssey like 100%. Because, yeah, it was like it kind of got lost in the Breath of the Wild mix where I was still like just flabbergasted by how amazing that game had turned out. That when I got Odyssey, I was like, this is great. But like, there's something really special in Breath of the Wild. Whereas Odyssey was just like, this is peak Mario. But like, that's kind of what it is. It's just peak Mario. It's Mm. that's it. Whereas Zelda was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? This is crazy how good this is. And like, yeah. it kept surprising me. Whereas Mario didn't surprise me as much, I guess, as Breath of the Wild did. Yeah. But yes, I think Mario's lots of fun. Su- Mario's surprises kind of came mostly at the beginning. And then, like, some of the post game content has some, like, cool gameplay developments, like the, the low gravity. And there's, like, a lot more, like, weird platformer stuff once you get into the post game. But you have, kind of have to dig for it a little more. Whereas the special thing about Zelda is that the, it's always there. It's that atmosphere. It's always yeah. there. Like that yeah. expert. And we're as with Mario, like you get the initial pop of like possessing the dinosaur. 
like when you get to yeah. be the t-rex like that was dope and like yeah. that's the thing like there's gameplay moments in mario odyssey that are just like holy fuck this is so good and it plays exactly the way you expect it to mario style and stuff it's like yep. yeah. yeah they do everything right in that game but it's just it doesn't have that little like that little bit of special sauce that like breath of the wild has that makes you want to go and live in that world mm, so yeah because it's not like mario is not the kind of world that is you're going to spend immersive. 200 hours in yeah, yeah you're not spending yeah, 200 hours like in a mario game except for really mario good. rpg yeah yeah like weirdly enough like there because mario rpg has that kind of mystery storyline like and it's a new version of mushroom kingdom whereas like the the action versions of mario stuff doesn't like really have that feeling of I want to explore this place. It's more I want I need to overcome this place and get Gal- out of this Galaxy place. had a little bit more exploration, I yeah. found, than even Odyssey did. That's why I like those two Galaxy games the most uh yeah. so far. Like I, I think that's why I would go back to those before I went like I want to beat Odyssey and like do like the whole run of Odyssey. Yeah. But I think like if you were like, hey, go replay a 3D Mario game, I'd be like, mm, Super Mario Galaxy is probably the first one I'd go back to. Yeah. So. Although I have to say, um Or maybe going- Galaxy 2. Galaxy 2 was polished as fuck yeah so. it was that's one i never played i played galaxy didn't play as much i didn't play galaxy 2 yet galaxy, galaxy 2, 2 is like if you liked galaxy 1 it's just more it's kind of more of the same but it's like extra polished more of the same like it's yeah. just really really good so yeah but uh as far as mario, mario odyssey does have one place that made me want to explore it a lot and that was new donk city like new donk yes, city yeah. was so weird I did spend a lot of time just like wandering the streets of that, just being like, "What the fuck is going on here? This is a weird thing that's happening in this." Yeah, Mario with like game. all the the normally proportioned people in New Donk City versus Mario <laughs> being Mario, it's just like it's really weird. New Donk, and it makes me laugh. New Donk City, yeah. That sounds yeah. like like that's like that would be in the RuPaul video game. Would be yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, pit crew. Yeah. Exactly. Very that. Cool, Christy. What do you? What did you want to bring up? You were very like. Oh, I was super pumped. Super pumped. Super pumped. So for me, one of the next best games that came out this gen was God of War Four. Oh my good God! Do I agree with that? God of War was a experience yes. and a half. A masterpiece. Yeah, um, I that was a big fucking toss up for me. Like when you're picking those Sony first party exclusives, like. Oh. My God, their portfolio is ridiculous this generation, to be honest. Like, just ridiculous. And to be, to say, like, God of War is the best of them just shows you how fucking excellent God of War is as a game. Yeah, because I put it on my shortlist and it was a toss up between this and Spider Man. And since we, I thought, you know, we did a whole episode on Spider Man, we can still talk about Spider Man because Spider Man was awesome. But like, Kratos, like, and God of War was like, had depth to it that I was not expecting from a God of War game. And I'm an old school God of War guy. Like I played those PlayStation two games as they came out. Paul can attest. Do you remember? Uh, he watched me go through the sex games. Cause he was like, what are those about? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's go find out sex mini games all over the place. Bizarre games. But like when this game came out, yeah, like the narrative had completely flipped. All of a sudden everybody didn't hate Kratos. And all of a sudden boy was a thing. Like the meme of boy was right. such a huge deal when God of War came out. So yeah. Tell me about God of War, Christy. Let's go. Well, I just loved the challenge of it um, as yeah, well. Yeah, hard like, game too. Hard, hard, hard game. game. I beat all of the, um, oh, what are they called? The Valkyries. Uh, the Valkyries, thank you. The minute I was trying yeah. to think of it, it doesn't come to me. But yeah. I beat all that of the That last fight was a motherfucker. Oh my god. Like, I don't remember the last time I was so 
filled with rage and determination at something. Yeah, there was one. There was one fight at the in the expansion of Control that was just like really. It, I think it was more because it was poorly planned, this kind of thing. They got into that frustrating level that I was like, no, fuck this. I've I've destroyed this game. This is not making me its bitch. This one, I'm taking it down. And the God of War Valkyries, the first one, when I fought the first one, I was like, what the actual fuck is this broken nonsense? Yeah. Because they it kicked my ass. And I was like, I guess I'm actually going to have to figure out. Because like up until that point, you can kind of get away with not button mashing, but like you don't have to be super accurate with your gameplay in terms of like timing and like yeah. having a good loadout and like, you know knowing how to, uh, the entire battle system works and all that kind of stuff. But when you get into those Valkyrie fights... Oh my god, good Holy luck. shit, it's a whole new ball game at that point. But yeah, God of War was, like, the storytelling, the world building was flawless. It's graphically one of the most impressive games I've ever seen. Like, I don't, I can't remember a game that looks that good. Yeah, and the thing was, like, every level, like, quote-unquote level, every yeah. world, world that you found yourself in was so well thought out like the attention to detail in that game was next to like godliness haha <laughs> um yeah. but well it's close true, enough like, for those guys so i think part of it was just that you could tell and, and this is something that i really appreciate about the other game that i'm going to mention is that you can just really feel when a company has done its work like it's actually yeah. gone in done the readings you know, read the stories and taken their own like twist on it. But like, remember the serpent? Yeah, I ah. man, like everything about God of War four or God of yeah. War, like the PS4 version or whatever you want to call it, is just like bigger than life, monumental. And this is in a series that does always done bigger than life and monumental. Yeah, it feels even bigger. Like I remember playing God of War three on the PlayStation three, and you're fighting and you're crawling up the Titans and stuff like that. And I just remember being blown away by like the scale of everything that we were getting. At yeah. that point, like this blows that kind of stuff out of the water. Everything is huge. Everything's hyper detailed. It's like the most brutally violent game I may have ever played in my life. Like it's vicious and like very real and like down to earth. And like the character interactions are amazing. Like everything about God of War for PS4 works. It does. Perfectly. And I think what works too is just like, again, there's like these hidden things that you can find. Like if you aren't looking at the game, like some, there are some games you can play pretty passively. Like mm -hmm. you can get through kind of just, you know, head down one point A to point B. But what I loved about God of War was that if you weren't looking at your whole environment, you were taking away from your own experience. Absolutely. Like, yeah. The things that, like the, the things you would find on the walls, like um, cave things, like the art and, the and stuff art like and that, everything. yeah. And then you know, even if you didn't go and visit every island, you were robbing yourself because there was something cool on every island, and it was just, uh, again, Chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah, it was one of the first games I ever platinumed for on on PlayStation because I got yeah. platinum the shit out of God of War. Actually, it's it's funny story because like that was a thing that I'd never really had done much before this generation. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they started making the Platinums a little bit more like, oh, if you 100% this, you get the Plat. Which I'm like, yeah. cool, I kind of like that. It was achievable. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was just like, hey, you have to also do like a thousand hours of online play in this really obtuse mode that nobody plays. Like <laughs> Final Fantasy thirteen bullshit inventory. All that, <laughs> yeah, like, like getting a Platinum in a Call of Duty is like a fucking nightmare these days. But like these, these single-player Sony games have been like pretty reasonable overall i'm pretty sure i got the platinum on god of war i got the platinum on 
Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a game we should at least chat about tonight because that game was amazing. Also, I have that on my on my. Uh... It's on my honorable mentions list too. Yeah, I think it was on both of ours. And then like Spider Man also was a fairly easy platinum by the end of it too. So like I just I just started racking up platinums. I ended up with Controls Platinum technically twice because I cleared out a thousand points on the Xbox and I got my platinum on the PlayStation side eventually also. So yeah, all of a sudden like platinums became a thing this generation because they became not a giant fucking chore and just kind of like accessible as part of the like standard very detailed gameplay session that one of us a normal person would have not a insane person (laughs) well that's what i really appreciated about this generation in particular is that um you know you didn't feel like you were constantly just in the struggle of trying to track down that tiny little piece of like uh mini puzzle that you missed like it, it was something that they were like listen yeah you can platinum you you're gonna work a little harder than everybody else but you're gonna be able to platinum this is something yeah. you never knew before it feels good now you're gonna want to go be a trophy hunter <laughs> like yeah I mean, i'm not a trophy hunter but like it does once i got the platinum on like i think i got the platinum on bloodstained later on also and was just like huh that was satisfying even okay. if like it doesn't really do anything for me at the yeah. end of the day. It's yeah. still, it's still like, oh, I got the plot. I really, I really kicked the shit out of that game. That I feels feel good. good. About this. I feel yeah. good about this. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but God of War, man. And I don't, I don't. You haven't played it yet, right? Like that's what on your, also on your shame list. Yeah, it's oh, also on my oh, shame list. It's high up there on my shame list too. Like Breath of the be. Wild, and then probably God of War is up there. But uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So like, let's let's get into like the last bit of this. So like, how much we've? Does anybody else have anything from top three that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I want to combine two things because like it's a genre that you guys probably don't give much of a shit about, which is Japanese role playing games. So I want to combine Dragon Quest Eleven and Persona Five um, as like. Um, Should get Mark in here for a minute to talk about yeah. Dragon Quest and Persona. I'm pretty sure he played oh both God, of those, right? Lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is a traditional. Japanese role-playing game and a love letter to that effect to an extent where you can play both in a 2D top-down pixel mode and a fully 3D animated character designs by Akira Toriyama who designed all the Dragon Ball characters. Uh, Just, it is a fucking classic like, with a capital C Japanese role-playing game. It's like, if you love old school, if you love new school, Dragon Quest XI is very much like sword and sorcery down to the nitty gritty, like classic Japanese role playing game. Everybody that I know that is into that kind of game, so like yourself or uh, Christie's husband now, I always it's that's never going to quite click. It's going to take a minute still. Like yeah, I, I was so at your wedding, weird. still sounds weird. <laughs> but like Christie's husband uh, is one of those like old school RPG guys, like you are, and mm-hmm. both of you have like blown up Dragon Quest Eleven when it's been brought up. Yeah, in my presence and like. A couple other people I know who are like big RPG people are like, yeah, I didn't really care for the Final Fantasy, the last one, but like the new Dragon Quest was dope as fuck and just like I want from like an old NES style RPG. And I was like, it's it's not my thing, but like I'm glad they're making that kind of shit still because I know people love them. So yeah, it's very, it's cinematic, it's fun, it feels like you're playing a Ghibli movie or a Disney movie while at the same time it's got like a pretty mature storyline in a lot of ways. And so Dragon Quest XI is like, holds on to that old school version, whereas Persona 5 is so modern, so Tokyo, so neat. It's like, it's got like dating sim elements and it's got, um, it's incredibly challenging. It's stylish as hell. It's got stealth. It's got everything, but like still has a like elemental based Japanese role-playing game battle system 
at the same time. So it's like a good mix of old and new as well. So I wanted to like just kind of throw those two together because they both um, exemplify. Well, you spent a lot of time. I remember you talking yeah. about Dragon Quest like crazy. So yeah. they really that, that's what I played in my 14 day quarantine. Um, while mm-hmm. I was uh, like locked in a single room for 14 days straight, Dragon Quest was my uh, happy place, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Your happy place. Very much my happy place. Killing slimes and slimes are basically the Dragon Quest equivalent of like uh, a cactuar. Like a Goomba or, or whatever. Or Goomba. Goomba. Exactly okay. that. Goomba. Yeah. So, or a Koopa Troopa. Yeah. So Persona and Dragon Quest are really spectacular games and really worth delving into again if you don't like jrpgs they're not gonna do anything for you probably except like persona 5 irritates you yeah watch the anime of persona 5 because the 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 art style is so fucking cool that'll Uh, give it yeah i've seen some of the art from persona 5 like even fan art and stuff and i'm like man some of the designs in here fucking dope shit so yeah yeah yeah, if you are a JRPG fan and you're not playing, you haven't played either of those games, like what the fuck are you waiting for? Just <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Nice, Christy. Anything else that like really pressing top stuff, or do we, we go to honorable mentions? I do have a couple of really pressing top stuff that I'm just gonna go through like so quick. Okay. Go I would crazy. say this is just in my my list that I sent Mark, but because I, I know we can't talk about them, Last of Us and Last of Us Two, including the DLC for Last of Us, was. I know it was PS3 was technically Last of Us 1, but it was still... I give that one a, f- a fairly wide margin because I didn't play it until PS4, so like it still feels like it was a PS4 game to me. Yeah. So, so just outstandingly good. And then I would say Detroit Become Human was sensational. Yeah, you dug that one a lot. I remember replay you talking value, about that. Replay value, replay value. And then uh, Uncharted 4, Dragon Age Inquisition, Inquisition, and Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon is one that's definitely on my honorable mentions list. Like, I loved this. Like, I platinumed it and I platinumed the, or whatever you do for a DLC. They had that big Frozen Wilds DLC that came out at some point. And I also cleared the shit out of that too. Cause, like, it was, I just loved that world. I know it's, it's interesting to me that, like, all of a sudden, the two, I think the two best world building jobs that were done this generation, I mean, aside from, I guess, God of War, I should probably toss God of War into that conversation also. But, like, the two best world buildings that I saw, in video games this generation were Horizon Zero Dawn and Control, both also led by little redhead protagonists who are dope and can fucking kill anything. So I was a big Aloy fan, and uh, I had a really good time with Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, Aloy was awesome. Yeah, I recommend Horizon to everybody. I'm fucking, like, that trailer for, was it Forbidden West, I think is the name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the sequel for PS5? Frozen Wild or something like that? Well, Frozen Wild's the DLC for the original Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, okay. It's I think uh, Forbidden West is the or something oh, like the that. Second, something yeah, about the, the second. Yeah, yeah, the game that's coming up for PS5. Like the the trailer that came out, I was like, oh, fuck, give me that right in my veins right now, please, because Horizon Zero Dawn was a fun like three weeks of just like yeah. solid hard play, and I was on board for that. So the I sorry, the last one I have to say, I have to have to have to say is um, Telltale's Wolf Among Us. Oh, you yes, you and your Telltale games. Just, they're very good. They're very good. <laughs> but anyway, yes, okay, we should move on because. All right, let's let's do honorable mentions real quick because like there's a bunch of obviously like you don't just play like five games in a generation. Most of us have an attach rate that's probably actually our attach rates are all probably a lot higher than the average because we're all pretty fucking giant dorks when it comes to this kind of stuff. So dorks. 
I cannot say no to a good PlayStation Network sale. I know mm-hmm. Paul's in the, in the same boat as me, so mm-hmm. that is. And I know Christy work. Christy lives with a guy who owns a video game store, so like, yeah, I'm their house, set. <laughs> yeah, their house is their house is a fucking like dream haven when you get in there. So there's like little arcade cabinets and shit all over the place. So it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, let's do some honorable mentions from this generation because there was a ton of stuff that I really enjoyed playing that I don't necessarily like count as like the greatest fucking thing that happened this gen. Like it's not you know God of War or Control or whatever, but stuff I had tons of fun with. So mm-hmm. if you want to toss a couple more out there, Christy, while we're all right talking to you. Here are my honorable mentions. Rayman Legends. Yes, excellent game. Yeah, excellent, excellent game. Yeah. We talked about Until Dawn, which I think opened the door to a whole new style of gameplay that unfortunately that company hasn't really been able to duplicate. They've been trying. Yeah, I haven't really <laughs> capitalized on it properly either. I liked yeah. Until Dawn too. It was a fun, like, that was one of those weird, like, choose your own adventure games, kind of. But, like, mm-hmm. it, it killed an afternoon for me, basically. So, like, I had a good time with it. Yeah, voice acting was really good in that game. I remember specifically too. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And they had actual actors come in, like Remy Malik of Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot, thank you. I was like, is it Doctor Robot? No, <laughs> no, it's Mr. Robot. He was also in Bohemian Rhapsody. He played uh, yes. Freddie Mercury. So, um, so that was really good. Um, uh, and Rayman Legends is just like a fun romp to just. It's challenging, like it's hard. Yeah, but... yeah. Those Rayman games are notoriously difficult, like platformers. But yeah. like, if you're into platformers, like Paul and I play those Rayman games because we're both fucking mm-hmm. Mario dorks who and love that so kind of And they're so fun. Game. They're just fun. They're excellent. Fun. Yeah. 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 The Rayman games are, I, I'd never say no to Rayman when they show up. Yeah. Like there'll always be like a 2D one, that, a new 2D one that pops out when a new console generation comes out and everybody's like, oh, Rayman. I'm like, no, fuck yeah. Give me that Rayman. I'll pay that. Like yeah. when that's cheap for 40 bucks, I'm buying that like immediately. That's almost a launch title for me. Like they're yeah. so good. So. Yeah. It just like, it's just a fun game and it's sometimes it's hard to find games that are just like joyful and that one yeah. it's like beat like with its things around music and everything it's yep. just super fun <laughs> and then i would say even though i couldn't play it i watched a lot of lps on it and resident evil biohazard oh resident evil 7 yes yeah, yeah yep. it was I had, I had some issues with it, but when I finally got back to it, I was like, all right, I, I'll give it. Like That's why yeah. it's an honorable mention. It's not one of my yeah. favorites. Well, like, um, I have the two the two uh, remakes on my list mm. also, like Resident Evil 2 Remake and Resident Evil 3, which is very short and not really worth like a full price, but like for the $30 I paid for it. Yeah, yeah. Totally worth it. So, uh-huh. yeah. Those remakes are beautiful, though. Like, they're graphically stunning. Yeah, they, like, we have played. Really pretty. Especially Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil 2 is probably way more worth your time than 3. 3, like, if they bundled them up for like 40 bucks, I'd be like, yeah, get them both and play them both. But like, you're going to spend a ton of time in two and yeah. not as much in three. So I'm stoked for Resident Evil 8 though, or Village or whatever the fuck that is. Yeah, that, that they one announced looks at the really PlayStation. cool. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked for, I really liked What Remains of Edith Fitch. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that good. That was just like a beautiful, beautiful game. You should play it if you haven't yet. It's it's sad, but it's like a really lovely story. Yeah. Um, and Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Yeah, that that was excellent, and the sequel for it looks dope as fuck on Series X. So I'm pretty on board for like, yeah. If you haven't played he- uh, Hellblade, you should definitely get on that because the sequel looks like it's going to be like a very big, very cool experience over on uh, Microsoft's new deck. So yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think if there was like if there was anything else because we're doing our disappointments after this, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that in a minute. Let's just like, finish up the honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, so Paul, you want to give you? Give us yours. Uh, sure. Uh, obviously, Bloodstained has to be up there because uh, Bloodstained's on mine too. That game's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's, ex- I actually... it's an excellent game, and it could have been in my top three considering the amount of time I put into it. But it didn't. Yeah, like, me too. Actually, it, I, it I, was... I ripped that game up. 
yeah, I it was very much like an ode and a nod to Symphony of the Night, which I would say is probably one of the, my favorite games of all time, which obviously is one of Mark's favorite games of all time. Yeah, like, we talked about it a lot. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, but yeah, Bloodstained, I spent a lot of time with that and it just felt good to play. I wanted to shout out Kingdom Hearts 3 because I think that it was, even though that franchise, I don't think is ever going to live up to what the fans want it to be because the developers don't really know what the story is at all because it's a fucking mess. It was still really fun to play and going into all of those different worlds with such lush world building and art styles and like, especially the Tangled world, man, I love Tangled and going into an impressionist painting and fighting like, uh, JRPG monsters with a giant key was super fun, and I loved it. So definitely, Chrissy, that. Chrissy seems to have a dissenting opinion. The fa- look on yeah. her face is uh, quite yeah. quite entertaining. I miss this is one of those things I miss about Christy full time on the podcast is the faces when she disagrees are fucking hysterical, and yeah. we got a good one right now. Uh, I, so, I'll I'll say my piece about disappointments after. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I, you you um, blew up Pokemon, and you know what Paul's going to say about that in a minute. So. Yeah. We, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're, we're, we're gonna have that conversation again yeah yeah and another one that i've mentioned before that i'm gonna say again is Link's awakening because it was mm. the perfect nostalgia bomb for me it was like it came at just the right time it is such a beautiful improvement over the original while still keeping the feeling of the original and improving on it in every possible way from control scheme to graphics to music everything was all of the classic stuff was still intact it was just ramped up and made something really special. So Link's Awakening yeah. really up there. Link's Awakening remake was excellent. I, I played the hell out of that too when it came so out. Like I, I think you were just getting home or like coming home when that game yeah. came out. We were both playing it at the same time basically because it was much. yeah yeah it was a really good game. Is that all you had for your honorable mentions? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm gonna gonna cool. hype this time around. Yeah. Well, my list my list is like we talked about a lot about these like Spider-Man is very high up on this mm-hmm. list, Horizon Zero Dawn. I I like I'm in that same boat as Christy with Last of Us in terms of like it being a cross-gen game for me kind of. GTA 5 also is a game that I spent a fucking ton of time in on both PS3 and PS4, so I kind of have a hard time deciding which generation it actually like I spent the more time with that game. Uh, mm-hmm. like which side of that generational line I spent more time with that game, a version of that game. Yeah. The, the Uncharted games, I, I did like all the remakes on PS4. Uncharted 4 was one of those games that took me forever to get through, but like I was, it was worth it when I did. I still have to play the sequel or like the, the spinoff. Uncharted I heard it was, that's I heard it's so excellent. good. It's genuinely I've so heard that's better good. than 4 actually in a lot of, from some people. Uh, like, it's, it's, it's a different enough game with the same like vibe that you feel like you're playing an alternative Uncharted. So I wouldn't say that it's better. I'd say that you're getting a different experience. Cool. Okay. Well, I, I've got that. It's sitting on my hard drive to go whenever I feel like playing an Uncharted, basically. So it's on that like list of I need to go play it kind of games. But we talked about Bloodstained. Uh, Gears of War 5 was excellent uh, a couple months ago that came out and like it felt like uh, like Control kind of felt like a next gen title on the current gen. Like it's it feels like it's ready for like next gen feature sets and stuff like that. And it plays just plays very slickly. Mm. The Tomb Raider sequels that started coming out on the PS3, but like really kind of hit their stride this gen. So like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, the Wolfenstein and Doom games that ID has been putting out or Bethesda have been putting out this gen have like all been excellent. Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus in particular was just like, holy shit, was that a fucking baller game? And then like the Doom, Doom and Doom Eternal are both excellent, like old school feeling shooters with just like graphical 
glitz up the wazoo. And then the last one I had on this list that like, well, I mean, we, we've talked about Arkham Knight and that was just this gen. And I feel like I keep forgetting about it, but the Batman Arkham Knight game that came out early on PS4 was excellent and still worth playing. Oh, yes, it was very, very good. It was so long ago now. It was, it feels like forever ago, but it was PS4. I remember it being like not a launch title, but within that like very early window of the ps4 so and then like the fighters for this generation dragon ball fighters was being specifically being kind of like the standout for this year definitely yeah street fighter 5 is one of those games that goes into like disappointments kind of based on the launch even though the game itself now plays properly like it is a good street fighter now when it launched it was like a shell of a game very disappointing and then what the last one is near uh well is near automata that paul kind of oh yeah me at which I haven't finished yet, but I've got like a good 20 hours in now. And it is, it is a, first of all, it's a spectacle. It's an experience to play. It looks beautiful. Yeah. And the storyline is fucking bonkers. Yeah. The story is crazy. And, uh, but the gameplay is butter. So like, you just got to get in there and fucking enjoy it. It's so much fun. So yeah, like this gen was, there was a lot of shit. I mean, even like there's three DS games that we were kind of mentioning, like uh, link between worlds and the Samus returns metroid game that came out a rate kind of at the end of the 3ds life as it was transitioning into switch ps4 was long out by that point so i kind of yeah, technically still sneak those the... the generation yeah so yeah, I nintendo is always a little under... weird about that kind of stuff so yeah yeah absolutely so like those are my honorable mentions so like the, the, let's 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 do a little bitching at this point so like what were your big disappointments for the the current console generation christy i know christy's fired up let's let's just fucking rip the band-aid off christy let's do it it's been a while let's bitch about mass effect it makes me so i'm oh i'm just so angry like i'm so hyped to talk about how pissed it made me <laughs> but like i also i just i i just don't understand where the creators got off thinking that that was okay to produce like who you had a fan base that you promised us you said things you can't you can't say these things and then not deliver these you put it into 18 months when the original trilogy took years because it was crafted lovingly how dare you and then you did all this bullshit like while the crap you went through with every other possible like game they were making at the time like what was Bioware thinking I just uh I just the fact that they released it with those animations and the fact that they like they even I just oh the story and the 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 relationships that they tried to make you I just have I just oh yeah yeah that was that was the most stream of consciousness Christy we've ever had and I loved every second of it Uh, Christy was talking about Mass Effect Andromeda which was a game that came out this generation in case we didn't make that clear or that you're not a longtime listener who remembers Christy having a complete and utter mental, mental break. breakdown when that game came out. And it yeah. really like, I remember the first like week where you tried to like mentally bend yourself into believing that it was okay. Like there yeah. was, there was a week where you came on the podcast and we're like, I think, I think it's not as bad as everybody's. I think, I think it's not as bad as everybody's saying, guys. And like, we were like, like, okay. She was willingly right. trying to get Stockholm Syndrome. Like, she was yeah, almost, I almost. listening to those podcasts being yeah. like, oh, girl, you in danger, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the next week she comes back. She's like, I think it kind of sucks, guys. And then, like, the next week coming back and just being like, all right, fuck this horse shit. Now I got to rant. 
Yeah, yeah was... well, that's because I beat it. It's because yeah, I, I remember. I know. I remember. I was there, Christy. I was fucking there. You yelled at me in my ears for like hours, like hours. And then she'd be posting shit in the chat about it. And we'd be like, we don't know what you're talking about. None of us have played any of these games. <laughs> like, oh, oh she was man. so angry. It was glorious. I just, I wanted so bad. I just, they, they hyped it. They hyped it so much. You remember? Hey, I, I had. I had Metal Gear Solid Five happen this generation, oh, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Fuck. That was that was a rough one for me because, like, Paul no, Paul can attest to this better than anybody. Like, my favorite video game, like franchise. franchise for a long time, was fucking Metal Gear Solid. When they put one of those games out, I was like, I'm on board. This is my Great. shit. Yeah, it's all spies and nonsense and comic book craziness and shit. I'm like, I love Metal Gear Solid. I bought a ps3 to play metal gear solid 4 like metal gear solid 4 defined that generation for me until what was like the big ps3 game that probably really blew my mind that wasn't that but it was something else but yeah like that was amazing and did mgs5 just not work for me yeah Yeah, just didn't work i mean like the gameplay was there and like there was a cool loop to it and stuff but like no cohesive story they didn't pay off what i wanted paid off in this fucking franchise and now Kojima's gone, and we're just gonna get crap Konami sequels, probably. Like, I mean, Revengeance was fine, but like, Man. I don't want to play Metal Gear Survive. I don't give a shit about that. I want Metal Gear Solid, and like Death Stranding. Sorry, dudes, it kind of sucked. It's boring. Oh, like, I, I bought couldn't it. even. I couldn't even get into Death Stranding. I could. I'm glad I only paid twenty bucks for it because, like, fucking wasted ten minutes. That was like, <laughs> well, I spent an hour with it and was just like, this is not probably going to be for me. I might go back to it at some point, but I got such a laundry list of shit that I would rather replay or play for the first time that like other people are constantly recommending to me that uh, I might. <laughs> I felt bad just sitting there playing this game that I was like not even really enjoying. So yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so my uh, do you want to like rip that bandaid off also and like just yeah. talk about Pokemon again? <laughs> yeah, like... let's 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 do this because it's not even that I can give Pokemon Sword and Shield a fail per se. I have to give it an incomplete because they gave us an unfinished game, which is what really pisses me off. Like it was unfinished. Uh, it was unfinished. It was totally like. It was bare bones. It they didn't announce the Pokemon Pokedex cut until right before. Like there was deceptive marketing practices to go along with the fact that this was an unfinished game. Like you go through the game and it just feels graphically like a Nintendo sixty four game. Like the textures were terrible. The pop in was like laughable like mark was literally laughing at the game while i was playing it <laughs> he hooked it, it up to like, my big you... tv so he had it he had it in my switch dock on my big 4k panel in the basement that's all tuned and looks amazing right yeah. so like if you you see my xbox playing through it like control looks fucking ridiculous on that tv yeah and he's playing this like what looked like an n64 like a shitty n64 rpg and i was yeah. like is this pokemon he's like yep and i was like and I was literally like really just in the middle of playing Control, which is like yeah. a graphical showcase, no matter what game, like what console we played on. And I was like, "Huh? So this is what Nintendo thought was acceptable, eh?" And he was like, "Yep." And I was like, "Have you seen what Control looks like? Don't talk to me about that yeah. right now." I'm like, all right, yeah. cool. I'm gonna walk away. <laughs> I'm just gonna walk away because yeah. I'm gonna go play Control in the other room. <laughs> yeah, it like I tried to manage my expectations given the fact that Pokemon is like. But that being said, it is an eighty billion dollar franchise. It is the most valuable franchise currently existing in the world in the world yeah. it is 
an insanely lucrative franchise and the fact that they would deign to give us this unfinished piece of garbage was so frustrating to me that i refused to give nintendo money directly to play the game but i needed to see for myself just how bad it was so yeah, i we hunted played... for a used copy of it for like three weeks when paul first got yeah. home <laughs> yeah and i did it and i found it and i got it yeah and i was i couldn't believe how disappointed i was like yeah the, the there were no dungeons there were no there was no exploration everything was it, it was all a series it was another series of corridors jrpg where like none of the pokemon locations made sense the list of pokemon that they had for the original 400 out of like a thousand pokemon that exist was kind of arbitrary and bafflingly chosen considering like they put they used to put so much care into the pokemon that they introduced into a region because they were based on real life places like alola is based on hawaii and kanto is based on japan and so they had pokemon that made sense in those regions whereas galar was just kind of like here's a mishmash of crap and some of them <laughs> make sense and so like and then and then there's no story there's no story like you play through the gyms and then the the main character isn't even you it's the champion and he gets to run off screen to do all the cool shit while he's like go challenge another gym and i'm gonna do like the cool thing and it's just like what's going on so like just to wrap up really because like otherwise paul's gonna go for another hour <gasps> he showed me the end screen of the game which was like a static anime drawing with like text overlaid on it poorly and the a for next which probably brought you to the like title screen again, probably yeah, right after basic, that. Basically, the main yeah, uh, yeah the, it was the ending sequence that was like the the climax of the the game main which, story, yeah, but the main story, which was a static image instead of it, and it, it was it was disappointing. It, it was just it was. <laughs> I think that says that says it all right there. Is yeah. it was disappointing? Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, I just wanted to say that the, to charge like 80 bucks Canadian for this game considering like 40 bucks for the 3DS games that were just better period is just an insult and that's all I'm, and I'm done and I'm done whenever we're getting sponsored by Nintendo at this point or at least nope. the Pokemon company we might get Nintendo because we did blow like Zelda and Mario at the beginning of this like crazy well, so there's that yeah. I just want to I just want to say I just want to say like Paul I hear what you're saying about Pokemon but then how can you say all these wonderful things about Kingdom Hearts when that game was so <laughs> he's got the same look christy had on earlier i love the visual bits that i get to do while we're doing these episodes and these guys are making faces at each other <laughs> i mean at least kingdom hearts looked like uh, uh it belonged to that generation yeah <laughs> it did pokemon, look pretty good so <laughs> pokemon did not <laughs> like pokemon was unfinished i'll throw one i'll throw one out that like at least paul will grow at because this is a huge disappointment for you for this generation and this, then we can kind of move on but marvel versus capcom infinite Oh, like <laughs> the sound. What, that was... a, what a fucking nightmare that like just disappointing, like given the legacy of the Marvel versus Capcom series, like Marvel versus Capcom 2 is a game that like I've put like Paul and I together put hundreds of hours in playing just random ridiculous mashups because like it's just a ball so to fun. play. And then we did the same thing with Ultimate or Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and eventually Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which was not as much balls to the wall craziness as MVC 2, but, but it was still like a lot of fun but, and polished and a fun game to play. Infinite's just a fucking mess. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in I that did, game. Like, so. it, I think it also, like Street Fighter V, goes to, speaks to Capcom's um, design 
mentality now, which is like shovel it out whenever and we'll finish it later. I, I feel like they have, for some reason, decided that fight. I mean, obviously, fighting games are not a priority for anybody at this point. Like the the marketing on like Dragon Ball and Mortal Kombat 11, also this generation was kind of atrocious. Like yeah. considering how big those franchises have been in the past. But like the Capcom and Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite and Street Fighter Five this gen were just like, like guys, you're crushing it on the Resident Evil side. You know, like, these Resident Evil games are coming out and they're all awesome and winning platinum awards and like. Every time they come out, I'm like, God, I want to play it immediately. I'll pay $80. Just give me the fucking Resident Evil game. And you put out these fighting games that you're known for, and you just shit the bed constantly. And Infinite was, like, just heartbreaking for me. So Yeah, I really wanted to go. like that, too. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else that really, like, crushed your souls before we get out of here for the week? Um, Honestly, there were a lot of good games this yeah gen. this generation was bonkers good so like i think overall we all kind of listed it like something that should fall under everybody's maybe should play it or have mm. played it or whatever kind of thing so like we got yeah. a nice like swath of gaming between the three of us yeah. so yeah there was a lot of like really high quality stuff out there and like it's it says something that like disappointments i only had like three or four games that like really bummed me out to the i'm sure there was there's tons of terrible games that came out this generation as there are every generation because mm-hmm. There's always shovelware everywhere, but like when you get those big games that disappoint you, like a Metal Gear Solid or like your Mass Effect Four or you know a the Pokemon ninety eight or however many fucking iterations of that game there have been, and it <laughs> sucks. And it's just like, wow, this is this is disappointing. But yeah. on the upshot, you still get to go back to you know Dragon Age or what was Christie's favorite game? I can't. Oh, Witcher! Like you get Witcher threes and you get you know. Final Fantasy 11s or 14s and controls and God of Wars and Spider-Man, which we didn't talk about as much, but we've done an episode on it. And given this podcast, if you think we're not going to recommend Spider-Man from this gen, how do we not talk about Spider-Man? That was the other big one. Spider-Man. That's kind of like, I almost like, are you looking forward to anything next gen? Like what's PS5, Xbox Series X? What are you looking forward to? Miles Morales right now is kind of like the, I need to have a PS5 at launch game for me. Cause like, I'd love that Spider-Man game. And they're saying now, Miles Morales is also going to run at 60 FPS. So it's going to be like super fluid and like a Miles Morales Spider-Man game. I'm like, just give me this deck and give me this fucking game. Like immediately. I want it in my veins and eyeballs now. The new Ratchet and Clank looks just so good. And Project Athia uh, for whatever that's going to be looks uh, because it's part of Luminous Productions looks fucking fantastic. I don't know what it's going to be, but uh, I know we talked and we talked about Horizon uh, 2 or whatever Horizon uh, Forbidden West is going to be because that looks mm-hmm. just amazing also. So, yeah, like there's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, oh, okay. that's like a game that like we didn't get it to talk about because it's supposed to be a this gen game. It's just not out yet. Right. It's kind of similar to like we couldn't talk about Ghost of Tsushima because nobody's played it, even though I bet you. Well, I know Paul and I both are like super hyped to play it. And I mm-hmm. bet you Christy will play through it eventually because oh, it's yeah. a Sony first party game. And those games are always excellent. So, yeah, there's still stuff coming out for this gen. Like, we've got another Christmas to get through probably-ish with this gen as the new consoles cycle out and all that kind of stuff. But it was a good generation, I think, looking back on it, you know? So, go... I mean, everybody's got tons of time right now because you're kind of stuck at home all the time. So, if you haven't been playing these games, then here's we just gave you a list of games to check out. Go play Control, you fuckers. Go play it. Go play it. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to our last, our little stingless segment at the end, Geek Cred, Christy's <laughs> segment that she left us with. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So what are you going to recommend to everybody to check out this week, Christy? 
Um, oh man, that's hard. Cause like, I feel like we've just recommended so many things. What would I recommend this week? I would recommend, oh, okay. So there's some really good podcasts. Um, if you like kind of investigative journalism that I've been listening to with Wondery, have you guys heard of Wondery? I have. Yes. Yeah. So they had a really, really cool series on the game show serial killer. I'm trying to remember what his name was right now. I, I feel like such a dummy, but it's called the game show killer. Uh, or Rodney the dating game Alcala. killer. The da- yes, Rodney Alcala, the dating show killer. Or, yeah. Anyway, Rodney Alcala. And it is such a good deep dive. And it's so well done. And But that's what I would, uh, that would be my recommendation. It's just like solid, solid, solid investigative journalism. And I, there was another one I just listened to that they did. They're just like six to seven parters. Yeah. Called Bad Batch. And it was all about hype around stem cell research and okay. how it went very badly when a number a couple hundred people were injected with bad stem cells yes yeah i remember hearing that story at yeah. some point i just uh i just caught up i've been catching up to the last podcast on the left lately like i kind of stopped listening to the podcast because i wasn't commuting constantly yep and uh so I, like now that i'm just kind of sitting around drawing all the time i was like oh, i'll go back and listen to my boys because they're the best and i did that print for them and stuff that we're still working on so like it's coming but uh they they did uh they did jfk finally which like you would think for like those guys, they would have done it earlier, but yeah. yeah, they did that around episode 400, which was excellent. And just before episode 400, they did like a six part episode or a six part series about Mormonism. That was eye opening for me. Like as somebody who used to spend a lot of time in Salt Lake city and like the Utah yeah. area because of work and stuff, I had a lot of run-ins with that group of people like the Mormons and stuff. And it was very informative about how a cult became a mainstream religion. So I would recommend that too. Um, that's not my recommendation for this week. My recommendation for this week is fucking work for Cybertron. Go watch Transformers. Or if you're not going to do that, go play Control and have your brain broken because that game's awesome. Especially if you built a computer in the last like year or so and have put an RTX card in your machine. Go play the PC version of it. Turn those sweet fucking ray tracing things on and look at it because it is like that's what next gen is going to look like and it is beautiful. So you can see it now. Go play Control. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll remind the man to do that. Yeah, man. I guess I should recommend something, too. Yep, you're up next. This week, I want to recommend more Drag Race, but this time Canada's Drag Race. So yeah. um, Canada's Drag Race ha- is on episode six, was the last episode. And I it, I liked it from the get-go, because I think that's a good group of queens. But, like, I wasn't quite sure about the challenges and, like, is like are they going to lean? Like, they do lean on the Canadiana, but at the same time, it's like, it's not that, like, it doesn't feel cringy to me to an extent. Yeah. And so the last episode was the Snatch Game, and I was really worried about how bad it was going to be, but it ended up being one of my favorite Snatch Games since the Season 6 one, that or L-Stars 2, that we had just talked about, with Jimbo, Jimbo being my favorite queen of the season. Don't spoil, I'm watching it tonight. Okay. Everyone did a great, I have to say, almost everyone did a great job. But, like, Jimbo's my fave to win. Like, I want Jimbo with the crown at this point. But, like, there's good French-Canadian stuff. The The runway this week was fucking great. The, just the theme of it is spectacular. So, watch Canada's Drag Race if you are in Canada. I think it's on Crave. 
Yeah, it, it's been it, the, on the front page of Crave this week. I've been in there uh, looking for movies and stuff, and yeah. I keep seeing Drag Race Canada pop up. And I'm like, yeah. I know I'm going to have to watch it eventually, so I'll yeah. just wait till somebody tells me to watch it. So I'll, Yeah, once the season is finished, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Um, but I, I th- it's great, so watch it, because it's fun. And yeah, they even had like an episode where they remade uh, Canada Heritage Moments. Like, oh, that where, was where, oh. Yeah. oh, that was bad. It was bad. It was terrible. They did a terrible job, but I'm still happy that uh, I Smell Burnt Tuck is a thing. That exists. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man, that's fantastic. So, I remember those. I remember those Canada Heritage Moments on TV. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's I crazy. That's them. funny. So, yeah, Canada's Drag Race. Go watch it. It's fun. Nice. All right. Just as a side note, I know Priyanka. Oh, you know Priyanka? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Like, we're Priyanka... not like besties or anything. She wouldn't know me from Adam, but like, we worked together at the AGH for a little, like, for a day. Uh, yeah, it was, she was really, cool. really lovely. Yeah. Priyanka is like one of the faves this season. And you need to watch, like, Priyanka was very much a presence to be felt in this episode. So you need to watch the new, oh my God, Priyanka. Priyanka. Oh my God. I hope anyway. she wins. She's killing it. No, she is killing it. But like, we've got like Jimbo, Priyanka, and Rita Baga, who I'm I'm rooting for all three of them at the same time, and it's hard. But I'm like, Jimbo's just really like taking the forefront for me because like even in like the off moments outside of the challenges, Jimbo is still funny. Like no matter what, Jimbo's funny. So yeah, Team Jimbo. Yeah. Dope. All right. All right, everybody. This is still Dance Robot Dance. We haven't switched it to an official RuPaul's Drag Race Canada commentary podcast yet. Not yet. Um, maybe one day. We don't know. We don't know what things are going to happen. But for right now, still Dance Robot Dance. This is episode 210. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about like almost anything we talked, everything we talked about this week, please hit us up. We're most active on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. We're on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast, or you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. It was really nice having you on the show again, Christy. Always a pleasure. Thank you. You got to come back more often, kiddo. It's always nice having you on the show. I like being here. Cool. Paul, it was a pleasure again. Say good night, everybody. Bye. Have a good day. All right. And I'm Mark, and I we will talk to you next week about something else. We don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. It's real lazy, lazy, like lean out of the episode. Mm-hmm. Good times. Bye. All good. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>